You're listening to The Bill Murphy Show, the music interview show featuring the best in the business. From behind the scenes, in the studio, and on the stage. Available by subscription for free on iTunes and at BillMurphyShow.com. And now, here's your host, Bill Murphy. Thank you, Scott Chapin, and welcome everybody to your new digital broadcast for this Wednesday, February 22nd, 2012. Lots going on and lots of great music to listen to today as well. Brought to you by Satchmo. On Commercial Boulevard between Bayview and US1, live music there this weekend, Friday night the 24th, Pat DeLeon and the Moroso Swingers. Saturday the 25th, Gene Marola, the comedy of Gene Marola, the legendary Fort Lauderdale comedian, still at it at Satchmo, Saturday the 25th. He'll be opening for Bobby and the Renegades. That's the live music there Friday. And the much-anticipated Divas at Satchmo show. Too many artists to mention. All great, though. Sunday from 4 to 9 p.m. Lulu's Bait Shack on Fort Lauderdale Beach in A1A on A1A and Beach Place. Live music from Nobody's Fault. <clears throat> yes, I'll be there with the boys Friday night. Rocking from 9.30 to 1.30 a.m. And then Saturday night, Smoke and Mirrors. So a good... Uh, Weekend of live rock and roll going on at Lulu's as well. So go by and say hi to our sponsors and enjoy some live music. Now, speaking of live music, I was turned on to this guy by hearing him live in person and then listening to a very, very high quality sounding live recording, which I want to get into detail. Uh, He's a Miami artist by way of uh, New York. He was number one unsigned blues artist in Florida uh, on the MySpace Top Artist Charts. Performed live on the CBS Morning News in 2010. He was voted Best Vocalist in the International Music Festival. He's had music featured on the Tennis Channel and NBC's Open House New York, among many, many other uh, television-related projects. We'll ask him about that as well. His video for So You got over 40,000 hits on YouTube in its first three months published. wonder what it's up to now. He's uh, He has a terrific-sounding live four-song EP called Live at 305 that we'll listen to, and his most recent full-length project is Crazy Ways, as long as I'm getting all my facts straight, which we will also try to sample today. Welcoming Griffin Anthony to the show. How you doing, Griff? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on here, Bill. Now, just to clarify, I know that a lot of, you know, Dennis Miller, for one, I, I know I just thought of this, is one of those interview um people that that will just call somebody by a name like if their name is Dan. Hey, Danny, how you doing? And I know people don't really like that a lot when people just take it upon themselves to use nicknames. But you go by Griff regularly, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Griffin is, uh, I mean, a a lot of people think it's my, it's really my last name, but nope, it's my first Birth name. It's an in, uh, that's it's my an in, name, but I mean, it's it's kind of formal too. So Griff works easier. There it's you one go. syllable less, you know. And it's an interchangeable thing. You're one of those people that has, uh, you know, the two first names or two yeah. last names, whichever way you want to look at it. So it can yeah. be switched around. <laughs> yeah. To be honest with you, man, my uh, my last name is a really long Italian last name, and it just it just works out a little bit easier. Uh, to go by my middle name is my last name. Aha! Uh-huh. Now, see, <laughs> now we're getting into details that we yeah. wanted. Now yeah. you're a you're a fellow New Yorker. You like all of us here in South Florida. <laughs> well, actually, that's not the case anymore. Of course, we're living in an era where a lot of people now are from here. But where in New York did True. you grow up, and what were your first um, kind of introductions to music up there? And what era are we talking about? Well. Uh, I'm in my uh, late 20s now. Okay. Um, I'm 28. Um, so, uh, 
I grew up about 50 miles north of New York City in uh, Westchester County. Right, so did I. In a town uh, called Bedford and whatnot. Bedford, Mount Kisco, New York, all around that area there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, from the start, uh, going to school with kids, I was really fortunate to go to a great school, a little private school up there. Uh, called Ripuam Sisqua. Oh, wow. Kind of funny okay. little name. Yep. But, uh, I, I mean, I was so fortunate because not only did they have a really strong arts program, but a lot of the kids in my class, their parents were in the music industry. Oh, wow. Um, you know, so it was, you know, it was kind of like a, a wealthy suburb of, of New York City almost. You know, it was far enough where people could make their day trip back in and commute and still have the, the nice part of the country there. So, right, right. Um, I was just really fortunate to, to go to school with some kids whose parents were in the music industry and, and just being around it all the time. Uh, I mean, from third grade on, I kind of just fell into it. Now, um, what about your parents? How much of it is hereditary in, uh, in your musical ability? Well, uh, my mom was and, and still is very, very, very supportive of my career in the arts and whatnot. Uh, and, and my dad, same kind of thing. He's, he's been great. He's been extremely supportive. Uh, they're wonderful. Yes, but can um, they carry a tune? <laughs> can they carry a tune? That's that's a different. That's, a different, that's an entirely different question. But no, they always, you know, they were always putting instruments in front of me. Uh, to be honest with you, baseball was really what I thought was was going to be my career. My dad played some professional ball, and baseball was always um, kind of my number one for teetering back and forth with music for most of my childhood. Okay, I mean, really. You know, grateful for it. It it paid for my college. So now, not to get off the subject, but did you yeah, grow up no a Met, Met fan or a Yankee fan? Oh, uh, I grew up a Yankee fan. Okay, I get a lot of booze for that. That'll uh, end uh, this arc, this uh, interview. Now, thanks for being <laughs> on with us, Griffin. Have a great day. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> but no, I mean, I'll tell you, Bill. Like a lot of my buddies, you know, play pro ball still, and I'm just a fan of baseball. I root for any team. You know, I'm just I'm just a big fan of the game. So this is an exciting time of year for you. This is pitchers and catchers are reporting, yep. and yada yada yada. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm digging it. So, as a kid, did, uh, you know, was baseball like your dream, and you thought you wanted to grow up and be a, a pro ball player? You know, I thought I did. Right. <laughs> um, right. It was. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I have to say, my dad was really supportive of the music and, and got me my first couple instruments, but but he really pushed he pushed baseball pretty hard. Whereas my mom was a little more artsy fartsy and uh got it uh, so it was kind of that dichotomy that duality of the two things and uh yeah i thought baseball was going to be it um i was i was a hardcore jock if i show you the picture on my driver's license you'd laugh because it, it doesn't look anything like me i have no neck i have you know <laughs> shaved head i'm straight up straight up as jock as it gets but uh straight up baseball thug right yeah right, yeah okay. so I, I bounced around to some florida schools that's kind of what brought me down here in the first place uh playing playing college baseball in school and um and then i signed while still in school i signed to a publisher uh out of miami a small boutique publisher a guy named henry olmino at the orange music company mm -hmm. and uh and that's kind of when i was like hmm I think I could try and do this full time as a career. All right. Well, okay. Well, we want, we'll get back to that. But to go back to your childhood in the early, early yep. days, the very first uh, instrument you played, and the first time that you ever it ever struck a chord, for lack of a better term, um, yeah. in you that you went, "Wow, wow! I, I really kind of dig music." Yeah, it what? was it, it was the drums. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was the drums. Uh, I mean, of course, like uh, many musicians' mothers uh, tell the story. 
of how their children, you know, came into came into music or whatnot. But I mean, she'll tell the story how I just came home one day out of the blue and said, uh, "Hey, mom, I'm in a band," you know, or something like that. You know, and, <laughs> um, I mean, and it, and it was it, that was it. I mean, it was just like I said, from hanging out, you know, on on Friday afternoons and weekends at, at friends' houses whose parents had beautiful recording studios and and just you know just guitars and just the whole nine yards. It was. It was it was my the exposure from just being around it that kind of just kept it in my hands and it went from the drums to uh, to the guitar you know mm-hmm. yeah. and at this and at this point you you can pretty much play piano as well or you, you, you yeah I mean I can kind of get by you know chords here and there but I don't have you know I don't have a very good touch or, or feel when it comes to piano right. I mean for me I'm I'm really a drummer um, that's my primary thing and, and it seems with the songwriting. I mean, even when I play the guitar, I kind of beat the hell out of it like a drum anyway. So. Okay, so it's a very rhythm-intensive thing for you when, when you is. do songwriting, yeah. right? When I, when I think about, when I think about, I, I'm not, I'm not really, I, I would, it's tough to, tough to well, you know articulate, what? but I'd say, I'd say less, less melody sometimes and much more, you know, rhythm-based, um, just approach to, to songwriting and whatnot. So, very, yeah. very interesting. And, and you know, in hearing you say that, it kind of explains a lot about you know, the variety in your genres. And this is an excellent segue into this. It, it, you know, with, the, with as varied as your style is, is it fair to label you as a blues artist as you have been? Or is it you... Where do you where do you put yourself in those, you know, countless categories of mm-hmm. iTunes music that's out there? Yeah, no, um, and that's that's a tough question. But I mean, I, I the the stuff that just always inspires me that I always go back to is the old Motown stuff, the mm-hmm. old soul music, and blues. Um, so yeah, I'd say you know a soul soulful blues kind of thing with still pop sensibilities and pop structures. But um, I you know it, when I write, like for example, the last the last record I did, Crazy Ways, the last studio album. I mean that that was written in the sense that from a publishing standpoint. Okay. Um, you know, in the sense that I'm getting my publisher a bunch of different songs and a bunch of different genres, um, you know, so he can market it in different ways. So that that album kind of came to be more from the start of just just looking at it from a publishing and licensing standpoint, uh, getting tunes to him to place on TV or film or things like that. Wow. And there were some other tunes that kind of just really wouldn't fit <laughs> in a collective album scenario, but I picked the ones that, that still had a little bit of continuity and yeah. So that, that last album's really across the board and, and I wanted someone to, if they were listening to it, to, to really get, a wide scope of uh, different genres in there. Well, yeah, and I wish we had time to play the whole thing because people could see how much uh, how much your style varies. And so it's interesting you, the way you put that. It, it was sort of a business approach that you mm-hmm. took because it was all about the numbers of tunes and kind of making a vast portfolio, if you will, for your publisher. And, it, and as a result, you ended up with this kind of across-the-board representation of what you are, and, and that kind of uh, explains how that came to be. Yeah, absolutely. Very that's, cool. That's, that's a fair assessment right there. I, yeah, I mean, for me, 
I kind of know at, at 28 now, I kind of know what I can do and what I can't do. Right. I know the limits of my voice. I know my range. I know my, you know, so I kind of have habits that I fall into now. But mm-hmm. as far as songwriting goes, I mean, I either just rely on what he has to tell me, you know, if he's looking for a certain kind of thing. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm with two non-exclusive publishers. So Very nice. Um, I'm with the one that I mentioned earlier, uh, the Orange Music Company, and then another larger one that I work with. Um, that's the audio division of, of Getty Images. Oh, nice. well-known right. um, images publisher. So uh, Pump Audio and, uh, and Henry over at the Orange Music Company, fellow Miami guy, mm-hmm. uh, they, they pretty much make up my life. And, and everything I do, I essentially just write, write for the purpose of commercial usages. It's less, less at this point in my life, which I hope changes someday. Yeah. But at this point, it's less less about artistry or trying to find an identity, but more is more along the lines of constantly improving my catalog and increasing it to mm-hmm. just cover a bunch of bases and, and have fun with just really writing tunes. You know? And and at the same time, making songwriting uh, a living, if you will, and, and yeah. sort of making it part of your work, which in turn yeah. keeps you more immersed in music. You don't have to worry yourself with, uh, you know, all kinds of completely detached day jobs and work like that and you keep yourself involved in music uh f- relatively full-time yes Ex- i mean for me that's um excellent yeah that, I, i'm i'm really grateful and really fortunate to be well, able to do it well, i think you're doing a lot of things that a lot of musicians wish they could so maybe we'll get into that a little bit after we listen to some okay. of this i want to get into into some of this music and and take a listen and, and then kind of dissect it a little but i do want to visit that cool. whole thing about uh, how do you get your music into television and film but we'll do it after we listen to this track from crazy ways in fact um you know i kind of listened through a bunch of it and and decided that the title track was a uh, a nice representation of it. Crazy Ways is a song that uh, I guess this came out in my. It, was it 2009 or 10? You did this. Yeah, uh, back in 2008 and 2009, playing okay. around playing around Florida. It was just kind of what we'd open up shows with. Okay, you know, it would just kind of be, uh, you know, hopefully like a little toe tapper kind of thing. You know, where where we could kind of get people's attention and start. You know, start well, it definitely does that when you listen to the record. So let's listen to this. We'll talk about the the production experience with Charles Die and all that, and then uh, the various places that you recorded it. So much to talk about, but let's listen to it first. It's Griffin Anthony on the show today. This is Crazy Ways. Scrap the car, won't crash no more Pitfalls to fits, no more leaks, no drips in the blood flow Puddles run dry, time to restitch the insides I know I talk some, but what I spit's legit A rhyme to one may speak truth for some I drop your set, it comes a net And I break out, break out like a criminal And use my home, and that's a real ghost But you just might be sparring with a ghost A ghost of now, a ghost of past a ghost that just might land you on your ass So speak your mind, let it ring with the words Bounce antenna that stir the mouths of those who do it straight. Confidence you can't come be. Take me with my crazy ways. Jump out the box and catch a ride on my train. Take me with my crazy ways. 
from Griffin Anthony on the show today. This Miami musician joining us to tell us a little bit about that record. It's a title track from Crazy Ways from, uh, I guess, 2009-ish. And um, now I got so many things to ask you about it. Now you talk about your rhythm being such a, a major part of your songwriting. And while it's quite obvious when you listen to that, beautiful offbeats going on on there, you seem to be one of those drummers that you just like to fill those spaces that we're not expecting you to fill, you know? I kind of appreciate that. Well, that's really cool. Thanks, Bill, um, and thanks for playing that tune. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a fine line, there's a fine line between um, you know playing too many notes and yeah. uh, and not saying enough. Right. So, I'm I'm always aware of that. Um, even listening back to that, it's been a few years now. I'm like, huh, it's kind of busy. But yeah, <laughs> it's nice. It's nice though. When <laughs> but, you... Yeah, but thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, you know, everything is is from a rhythmic standpoint. Um, so. Yeah, and I just, you know, it's great when you are expecting the snare drum on the two every measure and then it hits you at the one E and uh, you know, instead of the two. And it, it's it's a great place. Where did you where did you first hear that? What kind of drummers were you listening to that kind of showed you how things can shift a little bit out of place like that? Uh, well, um, I mean, I, I, my, I, there's got to be some my obvious formal, ones. My formal training. Um, most of my my music theory and formal training was, like I said, with the drums. Um, so, so my drum teachers early on uh, and percussion teachers, uh, they exposed me to all the jazz, the great jazz, you know, right. jazz greats. Yeah. You know, even the big band stuff, the Gene Krupa's, the and then you know, even, sure, you know, Art Blakey and and all those great guys from Harlem down there. And um, as I got a little bit older, I started to get into more 
like the Billy Cobham stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, know it well. And then and and now, um, you know, I I find that I'm listening to a lot more of that more reserved Steve Gadd. Mm-hmm. You know, the really tasteful session playing. That's you know, it's more about the space between the notes rather than. <laughs> The notes themselves. You, you took know. the words right out of my mouth. It's exactly what I was going to say. It's more, oh, almost more, what you're not playing than it is yeah. what you are playing. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm hopefully maturing a little bit in that sense. Very, very <laughs> cool, and I hope it continues. And now, okay, now the record. Now, not only was it mixed by Charles Die, you got to tell me a little bit about that. So I'll combine a couple of these little bullet point questions I had for you and let you kind of explain it all at once. It says in your bio that this project was recorded in Miami, Nashville, and New York, which yeah. which makes one wonder if it's easy to keep the integrity of the music and the whole live performance feeling. It sounds like it did a pretty good job of it, but were what parts were recorded where, and do you wish sometimes that you, you had more of it recorded at once by as many musicians at the same time? Absolutely. Absolutely, I'm. I'm glad you even you mentioned that. Yeah, I mean this that that last project was was recorded over a two year process. Uh huh. Tons and tons of songs were recorded, and then you know the people that that invested in the project with me and whatnot. They were the ones that picked out the songs that they wanted on there. I see. Um. So you know it was it it was a long process. Um. Since then, um. I have I've definitely you know strayed to more of the the recording in in session in everybody in the same room live you know create a pocket you know really really get that room sound in there so uh listening back to that to that last album whenever i listen back to it the crazy ways album yeah i mean it was it was recorded in nashville some and then tracks were flown to new york and then maybe it was mixed over here and Mm -hmm. then it was so it was really, you know, disjointed and segmented in some respects. I mean, it was great because I got a chance to experience uh, working with so many different musicians and a couple of different producers, and and uh, and and it was a fantastic learning experience. But but the next project that'll be out in probably June or July, um, it'll all be done, I think, in Nashville. Oh, okay. Um, talking talking to some people about it right now, so. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be all in-house, kind of that same germ, that same, you know, organic way. As many of, of the uh, rhythm tracks recorded at the same time as you possibly can do, right? Yeah, right. absolutely. Well, absolutely. So I think that's a trend that's happening all over the place. I think we're getting back to that. I think people are looking back and they're seeing the... The documentaries, the old movies, the stories yep. from way back in the Motown days, perfect example yeah, yeah. of of all these musicians, you know, kind of vibing together. I mean, there's so much to be said about that yeah. in contrast to the advantages of having the technology and going back and forth like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think we share the same kind of uh, passion with that. And then, okay, so how did Charles Dye get involved in this? Uh, well, one of the guys that produced one of the, t- one of the tunes, um, he... he Produced a couple of the tunes on there. His name's Kurt Green. He's a he's a great local mm-hmm. uh, bass player down here in Miami, and he uh, he introduced me to Charles. You know, he said, "Hey, I got a buddy who's you know a Grammy winner." He, yeah, right. You know, and and he's interested you know in working with you, and I think it'd be a good thing. And he's got some time available here, and you know these are his rates and whatnot. So we we just got introduced to one another, and 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 Charles and I just kind of hit it off a little bit, and it was really relaxed and comfortable. And I mean, he brings so much to the table as far as 
just when you talk to him, he's, he's just so passionate about sounds and just the sonic landscape of just <laughs> noises. It's just, it's so cool and it's so inspiring to be around him. That yeah. It was just a really, really great experience. So I, I, I mixed a couple tunes with him and, and it was just, it was great. So I look forward to the next time and, and hopefully he can, he can mix some tunes on the next record as well. Wow, that would be great. Okay, now we're also going to just jump right into this. Um, the CD that I got from you when we first met was this yeah. EP of this live at 305. Now, this was a live recording at Kitchen 305, which is a, uh, they, you know, they definitely deserve to be recognized as a place where original music is showcased down here quite often. And it's a... Uh, Really cool. And I listened to it, and halfway through the first song, I went, my God. First, I was questioning whether it was even completely live, because some of it sounded so good that I I wondered how you were able to capture that. But it was was how crystal clear this four-song live EP sounds, um, kind of a testament to the room itself at 305. Does it room sound that good? Yeah, I mean, I really have to thank a guy named Joe Vilichick of Cutting Cane Studios, who came out and, and recorded and recorded, you know, our set on, you know, 24 different tracks. And, I mean, he, he, to the nines, I mean, he made sure every level was set. And we had a nice long sound check that day. But, but yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the preparation in, in making it and making that night happen. Um, I've played, you know, Kitchen 305 a bunch with, with my guys and I, my band and I, you know, since I've been playing down here, even way back in college and, you know, 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. But, but that night was great just because, you know, I, it was really cool to promote specifically for a live recording, you know, so everybody that, that came to show up knew they were going to be at least in the crowd on the record. So it was really cool. It was, it was a great time. I had a blast doing it. And actually, it reminds me, I got, I got to give those people at Kitchen 305 a call and, get back down there hopefully soon for another gig well you definitely yeah. let me know when you do that we also want to find out where you're playing um before we roll something from this live ep let's take this opportunity to to where where are you playing these days where is there a gig coming up any time of note that you want to let people know about thank you so much for asking bill yeah um tomorrow night is, is a really nice big one um we're playing uh my band and i we're going to be a five-piece band tomorrow night oh cool uh playing up at Clematis by night. Nice. So we're talking about yeah, Thursday, yeah. February 23rd, for those of you listening, and if it's a day after or so, so sorry that you missed it. So uh, uh, <laughs> Thursday the 23rd. Yes. Okay, yeah, Clematis Thursday by night. What, what a happening, another hot spot down here. So you're saying Clematis is alive and well as far as uh, original music goes too? Yeah, I mean, it's cool. You know, they shut, out, they shut down the whole street and, and they build a big stage and, and, you know, people set up their blankets and, and bring beer and whatnot. And, and it's in the same area where, where they set up Sunfest every year. Right. Right on the intercoastal there. And it's just, I mean, it's beautiful just to be on stage and look out at the intercoastal and see everything and see people dancing around and everything. So it's always a really great time. And the city of West Palm Beach is always super cool, you know, with their sponsors and the other radio shows and this and that. So, nice, nice. All yeah, right. really, really grateful for that. Cool. So. Clematis by night. That's tomorrow night. That's Thursday, February 23rd. We're and, starting at 6 p.m. Oh, excellent. Nice. Nice and early. As it's the cool sun night, goes you know, down, cool. that'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so then we'll listen to this. This is what this band sounds like live. This is from uh, Kitchen 305 recording called Live at 305, a Griffin Anthony band. Tell us a little bit about the song Let Go. I guess uh, there's another song that's on the Crazy Ways record as well? Yes, yeah, it's uh, it's like the third track on, uh, on that Crazy Ways record. Uh, it was a, a song 
Uh, it's probably one of my most commercial-sounding songs, okay. I guess. I don't know. It's, For lack it's of a better term. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, uh, the live version is, is a lot different than the studio version. Uh, but, but yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Very cool. Here it is. Let go. Griffin Anthony on the Bill Murphy Show today. From Griffin Anthony from live at 305 as he joins us on the show a few minutes left with him to talk a little bit about that wow it's really great sounding stuff it sounds to me like you picked up a little bit more than just some drum chops from jazz you, I like the the chords that you fall into in the C section there too so I can hear some oh, jazz cool. influence there as well 
Thanks, How much different is that track than the uh, than the studio version that came out before that? Is it is it after the song's out for a while and you start playing it, it takes on sort of a new a newer sort of life? Yeah, I mean, uh, that I mean when that that's that live album was recorded in uh, I think December of 2010, uh, and that the the last studio album where that was. That song was on. It was it was recorded back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine ish. So right. just from playing on a nightly basis, the song evolves just a little bit, as you know, as a fellow musician, how how things you know happen with tunes like that. But also, the studio version has some you know electronic programming in it, and and a couple you know little little nuances and ah. synth things. And when I play live, I, I'm I'm really not into backing tracks and stuff like that. So for me. I, I like to to have to keep the live show really organic in a sense, you know, with with all true, you know, instrumentation, and leave any kind of uh, more more synthy or, or pop based um, accents to uh, to recording and just you know that that commercial aspect. Of, well, very of very cool. To sell a tune. And I, yeah. I, I, that's cool to hear that. And I think more music like that needs more music needs to be like that today for people to really kind of feel the organic you know, sensation that music gives you. Now, okay, for, now you just said there's really no cheating on there, there's no backing tracks live, there's nothing like programmed in the show. Now, looking at the other end of it, tell me the truth now, did you go back and do anything on in post-production to re-record a part or re- re-dub something or do a guitar part over anything like that? Well, with what happened was we were able, since it was on 24 tracks, we were able to, to mix it down. Right. So it was mixed down by a guy named Luke Molman in Brooklyn. Um, and Luke, Luke produced, uh, a couple tunes on that crazy ways album as well. Okay. Uh, he's another Miami guy. Um, you know, pretty much my entire network of, of musicians that I work with on a regular basis are all university of Miami frost school of music, you know, jazz kids you know, nice. that have graduated that have gone on to playing. Not bad know, company like to myself. keep. Right. Oh no. Tough. I'm so, I, I love, <laughs> I love playing with them and working with them. And you know, for me, it's, you know, it's, it's, awesome but uh but luke was really able to to go in even while i was down here um and and traveling around and and kind of go in and really you know find the right sounds he wants so uh there wasn't too much recording on top of anything but there was you know he was really able to eq stuff up and sure and you know really fine-tune some things so i was really grateful for that and i mean anything that that guy touches uh, you definitely have to check out some of his stuff. Find him on Facebook or MySpace. He is one talented cat. That's very, sure. very cool. I mean, it, it's yeah. just it's just nice to hear because, you know, w- with the technology the way it is there, the temptation is always there for you to, you know, go in and fix something up or do a part over again or, you know, have the saxophone. I mean, I, I kind of like a little bit of a rough end, too, anyway. You know, a rough, sure. a rough edge, whether it's whether it's studio stuff or not. I like I like a little bit of that human element. Right. Now you've had you've had some of your music on uh, in, in the couple minutes that we have left. I'm talking a little bit about sure. this because this is the other sort of sector of your career is that your music has ended up in in uh, television and in, in in shows and I guess maybe on commercials and stuff as well. And and I know a lot of us that are sort of in that industry or want to be in that industry and have have sort of delved in it a little bit. There's a maybe there's a I don't know a what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of an idea that that's a very, very closed 
kind of tough circle of folks to get involved with. How did you get into that in the first place? And is that really true? Is it, is it really sort of, you know, just a kind of a, a very closed, close circle of uh, people working on that stuff? Well, a lot of a lot of my involvement um, with the shopping of that and the music supervisors and, and trying to get things in people's hands, it, I kind of... I'm out of touch with that. You know, I just, I just submit my stuff to, you know, once, once I register, I'm a BMI writer. Once I, once I register the copyrights with the library of Congress and send tracks off to my publishers, you know, I, I just have to, in good faith, just hope that they'll, they'll do what they can to try and find more life for the songs. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm a little out of touch with that. I, I, you know, I stay in contact with my publisher, of course, but I mean, a lot of it is over my head. A lot of it is is just based on the connections that they have. Sure. Uh, and and like you said, I know that there are, you know, it's a very small pool of of music supervisors, right. and they get, you know, just absolutely just blasted with tons and tons of music every day from so many no, different no, no. people. So I'm sure of that, and I, and I know I yeah. speak for a lot of musicians who write a lot of music and maybe have a lot of half-finished or not completely finished projects that that music, while it might not end up on an album project of theirs or a solo record, that it could really find a lot of use other places. So I just can imagine that it's an overwhelming amount of uh, material that these TV shows and film and oh, yeah. all these commercial outlets are, are handed. And, you know, so it's got to be a tough competitive field. That's all. Absolutely. But at the same time, I mean, I, I owe my entire career to the publishing and licensing side of things. So nice. if it wasn't for, for all that, I, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. And, you know, I, I would, uh, I'd be on a park bench somewhere. Absolutely. Or, uh, <laughs> even worse, relying on my education. <laughs> Has there ever been a time where you, you, where you weren't aware that what, what if some of your music was used and then you came, stumbled across it maybe yeah, on television I mean, or something? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, usually, um, it's the coolest thing in the world for me when, like when it'll, I'll, you know, I'll be doing something completely unrelated to music and I'll get a text message from five or six different people saying, Oh my gosh, just heard, you know, just heard your song on this channel or this, wow. you know, so it's, it's really, really cool. And, um, just really, really fortunate, you know, for those opportunities. But at the same time, it, you know, it's kind of a gamble too, in the sense that, you know, if you're writing a specific song for a specific project, right. Uh, or, or, you know, for example, if an advertising agency wants, a reggae song with, uh, you know, a specific word in the hook. I mean, you're writing, it's, a, it's really a crapshoot, you know, to know if, if whatever you do is going to get picked. And like I said, once I turn it over to my publishers, you just have to hope that something sticks. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's always exciting, you know, when stuff happens, but lately, I mean, lately it's been great. It's been consistent. And, and, uh, I just, I, I think that, you know, to be honest with you, Bill, I think that that's more the future of, of my career. It's going to be less less on stage and more just in the studio writing for that. And I'm totally cool with that. If I could be more stationary and just do that, I'll be a happy man. Wow. And and, and just to think that it was something that you were doing as part of your work and it may end up being the main focus uh, in yeah. the future. That's cool. Have you, any thought of maybe scoring films in the future, too? Yeah, but I mean that. I mean, I'd love to do it, but my gosh, it sounds so intimidating. It know? really, really does. <laughs> it sounds like oh, I just 
I just scored a film, and it took me the last two and a half years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I can imagine. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of exciting stuff in store for you. The music really sounds great and very, very mature. You know, not that 28 isn't mature, but yeah. I'm just saying it's a, it's really, really cool, and I enjoy it. One thing I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate to you because I think when we first met, I, I, I saw you in a live setting. Actually, in a really cool place in North Miami Beach, just playing solo acoustic stuff. And, you know, there's such a fine line between something like that completely interrupting your dinner experience and being very pleasing. You know what I mean? And I think you get it. And it, and it was something that was very easy on the ears. And, and, and I got to commend you for it, my man. I could tell you had, you know, years and years of experience with it. And you, you knew how to make people feel comfortable. And I, it was, uh, that's one of the reasons we first met, my man. So Well... Bill, that's that's really really cool of you to say. Yeah, it was great meeting you that night. I enjoyed catching up for the little bit that we did. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, you, you know how it is. I mean, sure. you're a fellow musician. You play out a bunch, and you know, for certain atmospheres, you, you know, you don't always have to be a rock star to make people feel comfortable and everything. Right. So. Well, I appreciate you staying on the right side of that fine line. Excellent, <laughs> <laughs> Griffin Anthony. I really appreciate being on the show. We're gonna he's gonna be at Clematis by night. That's tomorrow, which is actually Thursday, the twenty third. Yeah. Uh, do go up and see that, especially if the weather's nice. It's a beautiful time of year to see music live outside in the Clematis area. And uh, be on the lookout on the various um, links. We'll put them up there for you to find them on Facebook and on iTunes and all that stuff. Anything else coming up that you would like to promote? Yeah, I'd like to mention uh, the next the next festival. We're doing uh, we're doing Carnival on the Mile. Nice. Uh, the guys and I are. We're, and uh, it's, it's March third, Saturday, down in uh, Coral Gables. Right. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. We've done that for the past couple of years as well, and um, we're actually kicking things off. We're kicking things off on Saturday on uh, one of the nice stages there. So I'm pumped about that. It's going to be a nice quick set, but hope you could show up and hang out with us. Yeah, very nice. I can't, I can't make it tomorrow night because of a, a hockey game commitment with the, over at the Panthers yeah. game, so I'll yeah. uh, make a point of seeing you at the other one. There's another chance for me to go and see you live and uh, shake your hand again, man. Griffin Anthony, oh, cool. appreciate you being on the show with me, my man. Thank you, Bill. We got to play together sometime. Yeah, yeah, hey, uh, yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll make that happen. We'll be part of a jam one of these nights, or uh, vice cool. versa. And uh, hang on for one second. We'll say goodbye and we'll wrap things up here. That's Griffin Anthony. Thanks again, buddy. Thank you. All right, folks. More new shows on the way. Exciting stuff getting planned. Live in studio performances and more. Thanks for liking and sharing and keeping this show alive. Be sure to check back regularly at BillMurphyShow.com, and we'll catch you next time. Subscribe to the Bill Murphy Show podcast for free at iTunes. You can post comments about today's show, listen to archived episodes, and like the show on Facebook by visiting BillMurphyShow.com. A presentation of Bill Murphy Productions.